Well, good morning. Uh, we're a little louder today because we've had some people tell us that they have a hard time, they had a hard time hearing. So if this is too loud for you, you can turn yours down a little bit. But we want to make sure that the volume is at a level where everybody can hear. Uh, it's been a rough week this week. We've had a lot of things going on. Um, I know that COVID is going all over the state right now. A lot of things going on with that. Uh, I have tested positive and myself and uh, so far no one else in my family, thank the Lord. But um, my dad is still in the hospital and my sister was sick with it also. So I uh, just cherish your prayers. I, I appreciate it. We, we keep each other in, in love and in prayer. Um, just a couple quick announcements. We have uh, a Bible study Monday night. will be online. And if you have a prayer request that you want Jane to add to the prayer list, just notify her on Facebook and she'll put it on. Um, we share that prayer list with our entire church. We send it out to the church. All right, today I'm going to be doing a continuation of last week's. Because last week I did the promises of Jesus. Part one. I did three. Today I'm going to do the four more. And I just want to talk about these concepts of these promises of Jesus. They're conditional promises, just like last week. But they're promises that we can we can put our faith in, we can put our, our, our hope in, and we can put our joy in. So the first one I want to talk about here is Jesus' promise of revelation. Now, that's an interesting concept, the promise of revelation. You know, everybody wants to know everything. That's human nature. We're curious as, as, as human creatures. We're curious, and we'd love to know the answers to some of the things in, in life that don't make sense. The problem with that, of course, is that human nature, um, the wisdom of human nature is not very wise at all. But God's wisdom is complete. In John 14, 21, Jesus said, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Now that concept of being shown to them is tied conditionally into that little statement there, whoever has my commands and keeps them. You have to know Jesus to love Jesus. That's part of that relationship. You have to be building a relationship with Christ because you will understand things better from the inside than you ever could from the outside. You can have all the head knowledge of the Bible and it does nothing without a relationship. There has to be a relationship there. And if you have a very intimate relationship with, with another person, someone that you are really in sync with, a spouse, a, a brother or a sister, you know things about them that others will never know. You know how they feel before they say it. You can finish sentences for each other. You know what they're trying to say when they can't come up with the words and they stop mid-sentence. I do that with my wife occasionally. You know that person intimately enough that you, you, the nuances and the understanding is unique to that relationship. Well, if we know Jesus like that, if we put that effort into that, in, in, put our effort into that relationship, that intimacy will, will open up all those revelations about Jesus too, and with God. Uh, Psalm 119, 4 through 6, David says, You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. 
You have laid down precepts that are left to be fully obeyed. Oh, let my ways, that my ways be more steadfast. David understood God. And he understood that the key to God was understanding God's will and being steadfast in that. And we know that David was a man after God's own heart. That's what God called him himself. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. Now in Revelation 2, 17, it says, Whoever has ears, let, him, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It's an interesting concept because human beings are born with ears but it is not a physical ear that's being spoken of here it's a spiritual ear if you are if you are able to listen to the holy spirit and hear from the holy spirit that's when you're going to be victorious that's when we're going to get the revelations of god all right now the second promise i'm going to talk about today is friendship now, that's, that friendship can go many different directions, but I'm talking about friendship with Jesus. We started talking about relationship. A lot of these things are connected. But in John 15, 14 through 15, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I, instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. See, Jesus didn't come just to build a bridge. He didn't come to get a, give us some sort of get-out-of-jail-free card. The reason Jesus came is he wanted to restore that intimacy and that friendship between man and God. If you look in, in Genesis before the fall, Adam and God would walk together in the garden. That intimate relationship that they could walk together in the garden in the cool of the day. What a beautiful picture that was of what God intended from the beginning. And because of the fall, we lost that friendship, and we fell under judgment, because God is a righteous judge. Now, he came to restore that intimacy and that friendship, and he gave his life to do that. And, and again, it's conditional. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. See, when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples, they didn't even understand how to talk to God. He said, show us how to pray. They didn't even know how to pray to God. And these were men that were raised in the synagogue and all this stuff. But they didn't have enough of a personal relationship that they could pray to God. They said, show us how to pray. They'd seen him spending personal time with their father. They'd seen him going out for quiet time. They knew he had it figured out. And they said, show us how. And, and I love the fact that, that this indicated they didn't really have a personal relationship, but Jesus told them to start out, Our Father, who art in heaven, address God as your Father. You are a child of God. That is a, that is a personal relationship. That is, not a, that is not a relationship based on fear. That is a personal relationship. Matthew 12, 50 says, Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That kind of friendship, that kind of relationship, that intimacy of a, a brother and a sister and being in the family, that was why Jesus died. To bring us back to that relationship. 
Now, the third one I'm going to talk about here is joy. Jesus promised us joy, and it's not the joy necessarily that most people would think about. <coughs> In John 15, 9 through 11, Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Well, again, what's the condition in this one? Remain in my Father's love. Keep my commands and you will remain in my love. Simple as that. That joy comes from being within the love of God. Abiding there, living there, spending your time there. Not part-time, not once in a while, not once a week. But abide there. Remain in my love. That joy comes from remaining in God's love. To remain in God's love, it takes perseverance. Because the world would love nothing more than to steal that joy from you. The joy that comes from, from being loved by God is something that everyone would be jealous about. And when people are jealous, they do two, one of two things. Either they ask you how they can get it, or they try and steal it from you. And the world will try and steal that joy. Now again, David, a man after God's own heart, in Psalm 27, 5-7 said, For in the days of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. Now David is saying, in my day of trouble, he will keep me safe. He will hide me. That's all he says. And he will cry out with shouts of joy. In my day of trouble, I will be safe here. And safety is joy. I will be dwelling in the, in the house of the Lord. I, I, that safety that comes there and that love that comes from being in God's presence brings joy. Now again, like I said, it was conditional. Remain in my love. Keep my commands. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews, I love that, we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, we look at the Bible in its entirety, and we have witness after witness after witness. We've talked about David. Um, we've got the disciples. We've got the, all the writers of the books of the Bible. Uh, Paul. We've got the Old Testament, the patriarchs in the Old Testament. We have example after example after example of people who were steadfast for God. Even they would go to Abraham. Abraham's righteousness was counted to him to be a friend of God. We have all these this cloud of witnesses around us, and it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that. Run with perseverance the race marked out, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That joy 
is the joy that Jesus has for dying for us. That is a hard thing for me to grasp sometimes. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand why Jesus loves me enough that he died for me. Sometimes it's hard for me to grasp that it was willing, that Jesus died willingly. But he did it because he knew the joy that was coming on the other side. He knew that when he, when, when he completed this, when he, when he defeated death, when he overcame the world, the joy would be there on the other side. And he loved us enough to do that. He loved each and every one of us. He loves you enough to die so that you would experience that joy of being reunited with the Father. Now the last one is the one that's probably most uncomfortable for most people. And that is the promise that we will go through trials in life. Things are going to happen. Life is not a bed of roses. As a matter of fact, uh, it's a promise of Jesus that there will be suffering. And because of that, we have to look at that as a positive thing because that is a fulfillment of a promise. And there's a, there are blessings that go with that too. John 16, 31 through 33. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me, you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things, so that in me you may, may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This passage in, in John 16 is interesting, because right before that, Jesus explains to them that he's talking clearly, black and white, no word games, no parables. He's speaking really clearly. And they said, well, now we understand. And they, he said, do you really? Do you really believe? Because you're going to be scattered about and you're going to leave me alone. I, I just, I think about that from the disciples' perspective. And, you know, we know what, like Peter did, on the day of Jesus' uh, arrest, where he drew his sword and and uh, then he denied him, and they ran away. And yet, when he was crucified, they didn't know what to do afterwards. He had told them all these things, but they never really they never really put it into the context of these being actual factual things. He said, three days I will rise again," and they were shocked when he did. All of these things that Jesus promised, he put out clearly. But he said, I've told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. So while we are promised trials, in this world you will have trouble, you will also have peace. Matthew 5, 10 through 11 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things against you because of me. That is an interesting concept again. What it says there is that if we are persecuted for righteousness in God's name, then we are blessed. Because we can abide in that love of God and understand that the joy comes in the morning, that this, is, this, is, this life is temporary and there's more coming after this than we can possibly imagine. All these things, we tie them all together. We tie them all together, all these promises of Jesus, that you'll see that they're just intimately linked with each other. 
when I'm setting this up, I can take all these verses and I can switch them out and put them with the different promises and they all match. They all come together as a whole. Now, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14, Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So Peter's saying, yeah, ordeals, don't be surprised by it. Trials, we knew they were coming. Don't, you know. But remember that there's joy in that. Remember that that's a blessing. Remember that the trial is a gift. And because of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory and the Spirit of God is resting upon you during these trials. Now, there's all sorts of things that will happen on this earth. There is death. There is suffering. There is pain. There's also persecution. And even in uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul talking to Timothy says, Everybody who wants to live the way God wants us to, is going to be persecuted. And the early church really went through that a lot. The early church dealt with a lot of persecution. And then some way, somewhere along the way, and going through my world history guy again, the church kind of wandered away from God, and the church became a persecutor and not the persecuted anymore. And unfortunately, in doing so, they lost their witness, they lost their testimony, and they lost the Spirit of God. We cannot rely on an institution for our relationship with God. That was the difference between the early church and the church that came later. The difference between those two things was it went back to the Pharisees and I'll pray for you, I'll do this for you. Jesus said, don't even pray to me. Pray my father. He's your dad. Talk to him. But we as human beings have even screwed some of those things up because we, we mess up. We get into this power struggle. We get into this need to control things. And all, all the way through here, Jesus just said, if you follow my commands, that's it. If you follow my commands, I'll tell you everything you need to know. If you follow my commands, you and I will be best friends. If you follow my commands, I will fill you with joy. You will feel love like you've never felt love before. If you follow my commands, you may suffer, but don't worry about that. I've covered that. I got that covered. And Jesus said, look what I did myself for you to bring you joy. If you follow me and you go through these things too, believe me, it will bring joy. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And he looks down on his children. He looks down on, Jesus looks on his brothers and sisters here on earth. And I'm sure that the suffering and the pain and the persecution that people go through on this earth must just carve daggers into Jesus. But he also understands more than we do that because of that, they're blessed. And that it's short term. 
and heaven is forever. So when we look at all of these things, and we put them all together, like I said, they are all conditional. All seven that we've talked about were conditional. But that condition was very simple. It's just said, follow my commands. Now, if you want to do that, two things. Number one, you have to be willing to do that. Not because you have the head knowledge, but because your heart wants to. And number two, you got to know what it is. You got to get into your word. You got to see what Jesus said himself. What were his commands? <coughs> Excuse me. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were, there was two that covered everything. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. What are his command, commands? Love God wholly, completely. Get in that personal relationship. Get in that intimate relationship with God where you understand him and you hear that small voice. That you're able to understand when he's speaking to you and things are coming to you. Okay? When all those things are happening, it's because you have that intimate relationship. That's what Jesus says when he said, follow my commands. And the other thing, of course, is that we are meant to love each other. And when we love each other, that joy becomes complete. Not only in our lives, but in the eyes of Jesus. Because this is what he wanted for us. He wanted us to go back to the garden. He wanted us to walk with God. He wanted us to love each other as he loved us. Now, if you're listening today and you don't have that, intimate relationship with God. If you're, if you're listening right now and you don't understand these things, get a Bible, sit down quietly, let God lead you. Because the Spirit will lead you. If you have someone that can help you with it, great, find that person. If you have someone that you think has an understanding that you need to share in, find that person. But you know what? God's waiting for you. He wants you personally to come to him. You can't rely on someone else to do it. You've got to do it yourself. But the rewards are so awesome. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, for this day. I thank you for this day. For all that are listening here, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that your hand is on each and every one of our lives. You love us so much. And no matter what we're going through, you are in charge. No matter what happens in the world, Lord, you're still sitting on the throne. And we know that this is not the end. This is not the end of, of our lives. This is not the end of what we are going to experience. And with that suffering comes joy because of the relationship you allow us to have with you because of your son. Father, I thank you so much that you loved us so much to send your son to teach us and ultimately to suffer and die for us. The most righteous sacrifice ever made once and for all. And Father, I just ask that you convict us of these things so we can reach out to you and say, Abba, Father, here I am. We love you, Lord. Amen.